Good afternoon and welcome to this special edition of Encounter. It's good to have you along this afternoon and we're going to have a, a really interesting conversation today. We're going to be talking about ministry in the Middle East and we're going to be talking with a couple of people who are doing it in a very unique way. Uh, to my right here in the studio is Trace Thoroughly. He's the president of Global Orphan Project and Trace uh, used to be on our team. He was our chief operating officer for about five years. Trace, welcome to the broadcast. Glad to be here. Thanks, Evan. And it's good. To, it's always good to see you when you walk back. And he's also on our board of directors, so we get to see you at least once a year, but you know more than that because you you come on in here and visit with us, and that's great. And across the table from me is Pastor Muhammad Yamut. He is uh, also a church planter and an evangelist, and we're going to talk about why these two guys are in this room together and the work that they're doing together. Pastor Yamut, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, and it's a great privilege for me. So, all right, I'm going to let you all, because I haven't done a whole lot of research about this. We've just chatted a little bit beforehand, but it's a compelling story. It's really interesting. It's an opportunity for you to pray for the work that these guys are doing together and probably also to help out and uh, and to be part of this work. So, uh, Trace, first of all, uh, talk a little bit about what Global Orphan Project is. I think a lot of our listeners know, but uh, many others don't, and we want them to know the work that you're doing, and then we can start talking about how you connect with uh, Muhammad. Thanks, Evan. The Global Orphan Project is a Kansas City-based nonprofit that's dedicated to breaking the orphan cycle through the power of community, commerce, and the love of Jesus. At the core of that, we're living in an age of fatherlessness, and fatherlessness is creating orphaned and vulnerable children around the world. And we believe that it's the mission of the church to step into the lives of these children when family breaks down. So we partner with local church leaders like Pastor Yamut, who are doing that in their own countries, and we help them do more. Now, I remember when you were still working here as our chief operating officer, uh, one of the things that you would do every once in a while is you'd disappear for a week or two, and you would go go down to Haiti. Is that kind of where this all started? Is that how you ended up, uh, you know, kind of jumping from one ship to another one? God pierced my heart for the orphan in 2006 uh, when I took my first mission trip to Haiti. A few months later, in China, uh, someone handed us a, a baby girl. And uh, my wife, Krista, and I understood at that time God was giving us an assignment to help orphan and vulnerable children be spiritually adopted all around the world. And he's given us the opportunity to do that full time now through the Global Orphan Project. Well, you've got, uh, you've got a couple of <laughs> adopted kids. Tell us about your family. Well, we're going 17, 16, 15, and, and 12 right now, so we are fully needy and fully blessed. Um, <laughs> we have two of our four are adopted, and through that, God has shown himself um, in two main ways. He's shown us that adoption is how he builds his family, and he's shown us that his family is bigger and more active than we ever knew before, including brothers and sisters that we have now in the Middle East. Yeah, it's just amazing, and and your your kids, you've got some neat kids, and uh, you know we've got four, but they're, they're all uh, they're, they're all biological, and and it would be wrong for me to say they're all ours because your four are all yours as well. Amen. You know, regardless, and they're all the Lord's too. That's right, absolutely. Well, uh, 
tell us a little bit more about what uh, and Go Project is the uh, sort of the shorthand version of the name of the organization. But uh, where did you where did Go Project first start doing its work? And and you've expanded and you're doing a lot of things all over the place now. So give us a a good overview of what Global Orphan Project does and where you do it. Yeah, in 2003, Mike Fox, a businessman in Kansas City, took a similar trip to Southeast Asia. And his heart was pierced for the orphan. His wife, Beth, um, had a similar passion for orphaned and vulnerable children, and they formed the nonprofit that is today Go Project. And we uh, serve with local churches in Haiti and the Dominican Republic, East Africa, India, and the U.S. But even three years ago, we had no vision uh, for how to serve in the Middle East. We didn't know how to love our Muslim uh, neighbor, nor did we know how to care for the refugees that have been created by multiple civil wars. And that all changed when we met uh, Brother Muhammad and his uh, great work through Tire Church in Lebanon. Okay, so uh, Muhammad, let me ask you some of the same questions. Let's find out a little bit about who you are, where you've come from. Tell us your life story. Uh, you know, we only have. 20 minutes left, so you get about, uh, you know, a fourth of that to tell you, because there's a lot more to talk about here in terms of what, what's been going on. But tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I was born in Beirut, Lebanon, into a Muslim family, uh, and uh, my father left me before I was born, and uh, my mother was a working mother. So, practically speaking, I ended up to be a street kid. Uh, being on the streets led me to a Sunday school ministry that is uh, very close to our neighborhood. And uh, at the age of six, I was invited to go in, and Sunday school turned out to be a great place to be in. Uh, there are a lot of goodies in there. Compared to the streets. Compared to the streets. And uh, there was Kool-Aid, cupcakes, coloring books, coloring pencils, Samaritan purse boxes. So... Uh, Sunday school became sacred. Samaritan's purse. Yeah. That's interesting. And, yep, yep. And uh, I became a frequent attender of of Sunday school. uh, And I enjoyed the attention and the love that I was shown in Sunday school that I was not shown on the street, nor by my family. And that impacted me to a great extent uh, when I started to wake up to life which was about the age of 12, uh, many questions came uh, on the scene. And I was looking for answers, trying to answer them through uh, my religion that I was in. And to no avail, I had no answers. And at the same time, I was going to Sunday school, and that love process that I was going through was impacting my life. And it started answering some of the questions that were raised by me. At the age of 14, it was irresistible. I mean, Jesus became irresistible to me. He was my hero, and he was the person I wanted to follow after reading the Gospels. And life just opened its doors for me, and I saw in him life that I desire, and I saw in him the cure for 
the suffering and the sorrow that I was passing through because I was a street kid, because I didn't have a father, because I didn't have a mother, because I didn't have all the things that other kids have. And uh, he became real. And in 1979, I accepted the Lord as my personal savior uh, and was on fire. I mean, because Christ was real. There was an encounter that touched my life. And that happened and made me just want to share Christ with everybody that I met uh, and everybody that lived within my circle. Uh, And that put me in trouble and jeopardized my life. Uh, My family had to kick me out and my relatives because I was an infidel to them. And the fundamentalist groups were after my tail because I was preaching Christ. And who's this Muhammad preaching Christ? And in that the, doesn't sound right, does it? No, no. <laughs> Muhammad just, preaching Christ. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, <laughs> quite impossible in, in a Muslim context. Yes. Uh, but um, uh, that ended up uh, my pastor shipping me out uh, from Lebanon to uh, to the states because my life was in danger. And I came to Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. I mean, at the time, I was I was lost. I mean, between being in Beirut and, and being in Bob Jones, I mean, which is better? Uh, here I was in the cadet school of the South, and I was a street kid. And that was tough, you know, yeah. to wear a suit and walk on the pavement, don't touch this, don't touch that, and all these rules and regulation. I didn't know which was worse, Beirut or Bob Jones, you know, for me. <laughs> Uh, but God was good. He the shaped, streets of Bob Jones University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God shaped my life uh, at that time in Bob Jones. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I grew to be uh, much more knowledgeable in the Word of God and much more uh, uh, firm and solid in, 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 in what God wanted me to do. But this did not last long. I fell into uh, a place where I shouldn't, and I followed my passion and my desire. Being a street kid, I wanted to be a businessman. I wanted to climb the ladder. I wanted to make it. Because your, your degree at Bob Jones was in accounting. Yes. So I transferred from a Bible major to an accounting major, and I pursued my dream instead of pursuing God's calling into my life. Uh, by 1989, I was I graduated. Uh, I was offered a job by big eight accounting firms, uh, but for one reason or another, I got homesick, and I decided to go back. Everybody thought I was crazy at the time because in 1989 there was civil war in Lebanon and it was raging, but God took me back in His own way. Uh, I went back uh, because of war. No work, so I got involved in ministry again, and I was passionate about it, and uh, I was able to regroup the church that was scattered because of the war, and within one year, we had a church membership of 100 people, and we were blooming, and I was preaching, teaching, cleaning, administering, doing everything in the church. When the pastor came back, I went back to my passion for business, and I said, this is your baby, it's not my baby, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be a businessman. So I pursued that. At the age of 25, I had half a million dollars in my pocket, and I was cruising. Uh, I had my own house. I was married. I had two kids. 
things were going well for me, but I was not doing what God wanted me to do. And so God took the big stick out, uh, you know, two by four. And hit you with it. And he whacked me with it. And um, within no time, I lost everything. I was bankrupt. Uh, I was in debt. Uh, I went to prison because of bounce checks uh, for six months. And this was in Lebanon. This was in Lebanon. And then I got out of prison, still hard-headed as ever, wanted to do my own stuff, wanted to live my own way. I didn't want to answer God's call. And uh, by 2008, I was done. Uh, I couldn't take it anymore. After prison, those 10 years from 1998 till 2008, I was not a happy person. I was not doing well. There was no peace in my heart. I was not joyful. I was working like a workaholic, you know, but was not happy. So you were in prison for how long? For uh, six months. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's really all it takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes less than that in a Lebanese prison. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And so 2008, I surrendered completely to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm yours. I'm done. Uh, and God said, okay, that's good. And for six months, I was a street evangelist. I would go around the streets of Beirut and the cities in Lebanon and minister to people. And I worked in an orphanage teaching Bible. But then six months later, God led me down to the city of Tyre, uh, a stronghold of Hezbollah, a war zone between Israel and Hezbollah, 98% uh, Muslims, no light. And I felt God was saying, go back. Reclaim the land. You know, this is where Jesus came. This is where Paul the Apostle came. Right. Uh, this is where it started, you know, in the early days. And how it's changed. How it's changed. Drastically changed. And I felt a burden for Tyre. And I went back. And Tell I, us a little bit about the history of Tyre, uh, biblical history, if you could. Biblical history. Tyre is a city that has always rebelled against God and was proud. And God was always judging Tyre. That's what we read from God's word always being judged. So he brought Nebuchadnezzar to hit Tyre and destroy it. He was not able to do that because it was an island. Then came along Alexander the Great, and he was smart enough to build a walkway and cross over and destroy it. Uh, and uh, today the walkway is much wider, much bigger, but it's still there. And uh, always we find Tyre uh, trusting in its riches and not in God. Uh, I do believe today God has... Is it still that way? Kind of, because it's 98% Muslim. Yeah. I mean, they trust in their power. They want to fight Israel. They want to attack uh, everybody. They want to rule the world, uh, the people who are there. And uh, nothing has changed. But I do believe today God is doing great things in time. I, things are changing, especially after the refugee crisis that erupted in Syria. And two million and a half refugees flooded Lebanon because of that. And we came to Tyre uh, around four years before that. So the refugee crisis erupted in 2011. We were there 2008. So that's kind of four years we were there. God established us 
and we were ready for them. You know, I, I want to get right back to that. I've got a, a ton of questions here, and we will not have time for them all. But I want to let folks know that, that uh, they're listening to the special encounter broadcast on Bot Radio Network. And my guests today are Trace Thurlby. He's the president of Global Orphan Project. And I've just been speaking with Pastor Mohammed Yamut uh, from Lebanon, who is now from Tyre. And we're going to hear more of the story here in just a minute. But I want to go back to you, Trace, if uh, if you would. And maybe you're going to get to this question, but how did the two of you get together? Just by divine appointment. There's a friend in Colorado named Mark Dunn. He loves Muhammad's ministry, and he's been very generous to Go Project. And he said, there's a pastor in Lebanon that's courageous, that's doing great work for Jesus, and you need to meet him. And so what's the, what's the orphan connection. I assume that there is some kind of an orphan connection or an orphanage connection there. Well, ab- absolutely. You know, Pastor Muhammad was just talking about the two-plus million refugees. Many of them are women and children whose husbands and fathers have been killed by ISIS, and many of them are children who have had both parents killed by ISIS. So in times of war, the orphan is uh, unfortunately... Uh, you know, there are numbers, a lot more of the them. numbers dramatically increase. It's a crisis. All right. So then talk about the connection that Global Orphan Project has with what uh, Pastor Muhammad is doing in Tyre. So we got on a plane to go see for ourselves. And uh, Lebanon is an open door to the Middle East. And what we saw was Pastor Yamut's Tyre church ministering to the orphan and the widow through Vacation Bible School, through uh, evangelism, through adult literacy, through medical clinics, and we realized that um, we had an opportunity, and everyone listening has that same opportunity, to be a part of what God is doing in the Middle East by supporting Tyre Church and other Christian churches that are loving their neighbors in the name of Jesus. All right. Uh, Pastor Muhammad, I I want you to tell us a little bit about what happened? You talked about this refugee flood, the, the crisis that started 2011, I think is what you mentioned. Break that down for us a little bit and explain what happened on the ground and where we are now. Hmm. Oh, well, what happened on the ground, we have people fleeing a civil war, running away because there are bombs falling on them. Primarily from Syria. From Syria. And uh, we have a conflict Uh, between the Sunnis and the Shiites in Syria, between the regime and the opposition, between America and Russia, everybody's in there, and those poor people are paying the price by running away. Uh, And they came, and we were not, I mean, we were there, our presence was there, but we were not ready to receive thousands of refugees into our center. And we found ourselves in front of a crisis, literally a crisis, hundreds and thousands of people coming for need of help, of food, of medicine. Uh, Some of them are orphans, some of them are widows. And uh, my wife and I looked at each other and said, what can we do? We are so small, we can do nothing. I mean, the UN was not able to tailor to them. And we just prayed and we did all that we can and all that God has given us, we used it to reach out to them and love on them. Uh, And as the days went by, God just grew the ministry. Uh, And uh, now we have 
1,000 refugees that come to our center every week. Wow. And, and get help and listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we minister to them, uh, children, women, men, through our clinic that we have, uh, through our clothes pantry, through our uh, food pantry, through our sewing shop, through our music school. God is using all that we have to reach them with the love of Jesus Christ and share the gospel with them about Jesus Christ, something that they never had, never had the opportunity in their country. When you are living in a Muslim country, it's closed. Right. And God just broke the walls down to bring these people. Literally. To, yeah, to bring these people to a place where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got a question. This is something that has just bothered me uh, for as long as this thing has been going on in Syria and that, that I do not understand. And maybe you can help shed a little bit of light. This might be considered kind of a political question, but not, not necessarily. And that is, how can somebody, this, and, and I'm speaking specifically of Bashar al-Assad, the president, so-called president of the country of Syria, how can you be the president of a country and you're destroying your people by the hundreds of thousands? I, I don't get that. That's, uh, I mean, if you know uh, Islam, you know how. Uh, Islam is about political control. It's, it's a political venture. Uh, Bashar Assad is a Muslim from a certain sect. And the opposition are Muslims from another th sect. And they're all fighting for power. Sunni Shia. Yes. They're all fighting for power. They want to rule. Uh, to them, people are not important. Apparently. Yeah. It's a Machiavellism. It's one kind of a Machiavellism. People are not important. They're, they're numbers. What's important is that I stay in power. And what's important is that I rule this country. And it's the same for both sides. And uh, the people who are on the outside, the regional powers, take advantage of them right. and use both of them to achieve their own purposes in also getting uh, a piece of the cake that is there. So this kind of gets back to, to the, the conflict between the Sunni and the Shia. Yeah, yeah. It has, it has been 1,400 years, mm -hmm. long feud. It, 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 it staggers sometimes. It calms down sometimes. Uh, it's there. We cannot ignore that. Uh, that conflict, we cannot ignore it. It has been there since the days of the early days of Islam. Uh, and it just portrays itself in different ways in different countries. Yeah, very sad and very unfortunate. Definitely. And still going on to this day. Till this day, we have a problem in Yemen. It's a Sunni Shiite problem. In Iraq, it's a Sunni Shiite problem. In Syria, it's a Sunni Shiite problem. In Lebanon, the struggle, though not violent, is between two political parties, uh, Hezbollah and the Shiites, represents the Shiites, and future, which represents the Sunnis. And were it not for the presence of Christians in a major way, they would go at it and fight. So we are stabilizing the whole country by, that? by being there. Well, obviously, the solution to this problem is Jesus Christ. No doubt about this. That's why we're there. So <laughs> one of the things that we chatted about for a few moments before we went on the air and started this broadcast was that as awful and terrible and as much human tragedy is, is the, as there is and has been, loss of life, innocent life, um, it has opened the door 
to evangelism in a way that it would never have been open. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I used to evangelize in Syria, and we'd do it discreetly and under the table. And you couldn't, as a Muslim, go to church in Syria and accept Jesus Christ and change your religion. That was a no-no. Or they'd kill you if they had the chance. Definitely. No, no, the government will not allow you. They don't have to kill you. The government is is the one who doesn't allow you to do that, and you're not allowed to preach the gospel as a Christian. So the Muslim is not allowed to go to church and be exposed to Christian teachings, and you as a Christian, you're not allowed to reach him. Uh, You stay on your own turf, and you're on your own turf, and don't mess around. Uh, Well, when the war came and the crisis came, that changed all that, And, and people were so much in need and so much suffering and so much in sorrow that they were ready to go anywhere and knock any door for help. And that opened the door for us to share Christ with them. They would come and knock the door for medicine. Yes, we want to help you, we want to love you, but let me tell you about Jesus. He is the best medicine for you. Uh, They come hungry, we give them food. Yes, but you need uh, living bread, you know, living water. And, and that gave us an opportunity like no other people who are suffering ready to listen to the truth, uh, which we, they were not ready to listen to it before when they were doing well. And some people would say, well, you're taking advantage of a bad situation. But no, mm. no, no. You, you've got people who are in great need, mm. and they, they, they need physical help as well, mm-hmm. but they need, they need hope. How am I taking advantage? I always yeah. ask them. They, yeah. they give me this. <laughs> yeah. How am I taking advantage of somebody if I love on him, feed him, and tell him Jesus loves you? Exactly. How can I be taking advantage Only of Only the cynics would say that. Yeah, definitely. And definitely, they're out there. Definitely, yeah. definitely. There is no way I can be taking advantage of a person when I feed him. <laughs> That's right. Regardless of what I tell him. And, and so we don't take advantage of people. We feel that the need is for Jesus Christ, not for food. Right. That's why when we give them food, we tell them about Jesus. All right. I'm going to give you, Trace, about um, a minute to talk about the things on a day-to-day basis that Global Orphan Project is doing in terms of the work with Muhammad and what he's doing uh, in Tyre. And then we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to help out, and you'll, you all can tell us how we can do that. So what, what all are you doing on a kind of a day-to-day basis, uh, practically speaking, to help support the work that's going on over there? Well, the main thing that we've done is formed a partnership with Pastor Yamut, Tyre Church, and also pastors in Syria and Egypt. And uh, the pastoral network um, identifies the needs of these orphans and these widows and brings them uh, through the Internet into the inboxes of people in America who would like to help. So if people are listening and they want to invest in the church's work to care for the orphan and the widow in Lebanon, they could email us at info at goproject.org. That's info at goproject.org. And simply say, I want more information on how to get involved. And we can bring to them the real needs of real people that have suffered in this war and are being ministered to by the church. And, Muhammad, how's that partnership working out? That port- partnership uh, opened a great door for the church in the West to engage what God is doing in the East. 
What's happening today in the Middle East is God's work. It's not our work. It's not Putin's work or Trump's work. It's God's work. God mm. is working there. We either get on board with what God is doing in the Middle East or we wink the eye and say, no, I have nothing to do with it. Uh, the fact of the matter, it's open doors today. A global orphan through the care portal uh, program that they have are giving the opportunity to churches to look at the needs of people, to giving the opportunity to them to do good works so God can be glorified. That's right. That's what they're doing. Well, and I'd have to tell you that that the work that's going on over there in terms of the, you know, you hear about all of these things going on in the Middle East and the chaos and so forth. The Every time someone meets Jesus Christ in that area, we're moving incrementally towards solving a very huge problem. Amen. We're solving personal Definitely. problems in those individuals' lives. But as you said, you know, you're, you're sort of the buffer zone between the Sunni and the Shia as more and more people meet the Lord. Right. Amazing things happen. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much, Pastor Muhammad. Trace, thanks so much for spending time with us today. This is fantastic. Thank thanks you. for having us. And what, once again, it's info at goproject.org, info at goproject.org to find out how you can help. For Bot Radio Network, this is Eben Fowler. Thanks for listening. <laughs>